The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Each business is unique and operated individually of others in the same industry. What they have in common is the potential path to success. Welcome to The Second Stage with your hosts, Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. In today's program, we'll address the obstacles that many businesses find on that path to success and discuss what entrepreneurs and their businesses are doing to stay ahead of the curve. Now, here is Brendan Anderson and Jeffrey Cadlick. Welcome, everybody, to The Second Stage. I'm excited to have everybody back again. And, Jeff, it's, uh, it's been a while. I, I don't know. I realize uh, we, we kind of missed a couple there over the last... It's been a tough, tough, uh, tough summer for our, our business. Well, our, our audience isn't supposed to know that we do pre-recorded shows, Brendan. No, we actually repeated one. I don't. Oh, you know. we did. Yeah, oh. yeah, exactly. Come on. <laughs> I guess Come I on. just let the cat out of the bag. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, it's uh, we've had a very busy summer, and the summer months are very narrow and short here in uh, Cleveland, Ohio. So I'm a little. As you pointed out, when you get back from your annual visit to New Jersey, uh, the Jersey Shore, um, you start to get a little depressed, and I do too. You know, the Hall of Fame game, you know, comes around, and I'm like, God, is summer already near, nearly done? It actually looks like fall out there now, so it kind of feels like we should be having football. But uh, anywho, and I also want to point out, Jeff, that we, you and I have done a little reversal today. Normally, I'm doing the uh, cranberry Red Bull, and uh, you've decided to go cranberry Red Bull, and I'm doing the diet one. So uh, I, apparently, I had a lot to, a lot of extra things to eat on the uh, trip to the uh, to Jersey Shore. And I just, and I, just, I just need to change things up. I'm feeling a little, little like I needed something like that on Monday. That's good. That's good. Hey, um, I also want to, we've had a busy summer. In addition to all the other things that summer brings, we've uh, we've closed uh, two new portfolio partners. We're very very excited about. Uh, both Cascade and uh, um, Cascade Healthcare, which uh, is in uh, Seattle and Colorado Springs. Maybe talk about that for a second. Uh, it was something that uh, we were you know, very excited to partner with those, those two guys. Yeah, we are. Cascade Healthcare uh, Services actually trains healthcare professionals, doctors, uh, nurses, and first responders and the like uh, in getting them certified uh, to comply with state laws uh, every two years generally in whatever, um, uh, you know, particular discipline that they're involved in. Uh, they've been doing training for uh, almost five years, and they do a terrific job in partnership with uh, the American Heart Association and Red Cross. And uh, they're really a, uh, you know, what we really, one of the many things we liked about their organization is that they had built out uh, their their template, their business model um, regionally, so they had tested uh, their system beyond the initial location, which was in Seattle. Uh, the other part of their business is called QShift, which is really more about travel nurses. And they actually started in that business in 2002, and they got into the training because they had this nursing business, and they were looking to train 
their uh, their nurses and couldn't find anybody qualified to train their nurses. So, like anything entrepreneurial, you see an opportunity, you jump at it, and that's how they uh, they got into the training side of the business. So they started in Q shift and nerd travel nurse, and then they moved over to the training in Cascade. And as we always really enjoy about some of these small uh, entrepreneurial uh, businesses and these entrepreneurs. Um, the, is the fact that they are able to kind of do some some technology enhancements or technology enabled piece, and these guys really built a neat piece of software around um, kind of coordinating and organizing all that stuff. So it was pretty neat. And then uh, another uh, partner uh, portfolio uh, company we have or investment is a company in, uh, just outside of Pittsburgh called Knowledge Center, and uh, just a neat uh, group of uh, people that have put together a, a um, really an emergency operations center software uh, uh, platform. Form that uh, uh, really kind of helps coordinate a uh, call it a dashboard for, uh, from a lot of different sources of information to really let um, uh, you know emergency operations center uh, professionals coordinate uh, you know kind of you know big events and it's a neat business and uh, hopefully uh, in the next couple weeks or so we can uh, announce a, a a third investment here in uh, a relatively short period of time. So, uh, we're, you know, it's been a busy summer for us, Jeff, as you know, as we've been kind of c- covering the uh, covering the country from uh, the West Coast to the East Coast. So it's been, uh, and been as, interesting. And, and as I've said to you a number of times, wish this all took place in the first quarter so I can enjoy my, my short s- summer uh, events here. But anyway, um, all good stuff. And, you know, uh, we've got... As you recall, Brennan, we had the uh, the topic of the Affordable Care Act uh, about a year ago. I think it was October of 2013 with our friends at the Oswald Companies, Rob Edmonds and Andrea Esselstein. And uh, we thought that uh, it was time to revisit the issues because there's a ton going on right now in that area. And um, so we've 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 had them come back and and give us an update as to where things have uh, gone as planned, where things are behind or where they're ahead, maybe get the straight scoop in terms of what the Republicans are saying, what the Democrats are saying, and and most importantly, what should small business owners be doing to prepare for whatever uh, is going on in that area? And I saying it that way because to be honest with you, I don't have time to keep up with all of the regulations. Our um, Barbara, our local producer here in Cleveland, gave us a bunch of uh, <laughs> legislation and oh. whatnot to read. And I, my eyes glazed over about halfway through the first page. And so I'm not sure how other small business owners are supposed to stay on top of this. Well, I think the thing that, that, that I think you and I left our discussion with um, with Rob and Andrea, uh, you know, six months ago, so kind of shaking our heads, kind of saying, you know, God, this is uh, so complex. And then you look at the updates that, that Barbara was able to dig up, and, and it's, I mean, these these updates are from May, it's from from June. I mean, these are these things seem to get updated every month, and uh, it just really is overwhelming. And I, I know I sound like a, a bellyache every single week, and wait a minute, I do. But um, it just it's overwhelming for small business owners. So um, I agree. I uh, joked, I think, right before we Jeff and I were. Ch- about this is that I read the first the first paragraph and I'm like oh my god it's it's hard to it's hard to focus on these little words with all these uh, with all these different numbers and changing dates and requirements for filing and all that sort of thing overwhelming so that's what we have the good people at Oswald for 
Yeah, exactly. And I think this is where it's going to come out uh, this time as well. Small business owners need to find somebody that knows what the heck is going on so they can just run their business. Otherwise, you're going to have to hire three or four people to, to follow this. But we'll save that for our guests. Uh, let's circle back, though, to the prior show, which was um, John Hosley, Managing Director of Silicon Valley Bank. And we talked about entrepreneurial and venture financing solutions. And contrary to what you know we saw going on in our own life experiences, uh, John is telling us that the first quarter of 2014 was the best quarter since 2001 for venture funding, uh, with most of that upsurge being in IT. And so he attributed that, you know, the upswing in technology credits part of this to the in- decrease in costs surrounding technology, while an increase in costs associated with other industries, including regulatory hurdles and reimbursement. So um, it was just interesting because I thought it was it, the it was different than what I had thought going into the show. Yeah, but I think I think if I remember correctly, uh, you know, I don't remember very, very much, but it was there was that big increase, the, or the increase was heavily focused in the one category, as but the kind of venture the venture world in a broad category was actually, um, you know, the, the all the other pieces were down, isn't that right? Or am I am I confusing my uh, my discussions? Um, you know what? I would encourage you, me, and our audience to re-listen to that show. Uh, <laughs> I got my notes here, so I'm going to pull them out because I, uh, you know. But anyways, I'll I should have pulled them out before I actually started talking, Jeff. But you know, that's not what I do. So I know, but I know that John did feel that uh, the venture world was spreading across the country and not just on the coasts. And he was a yes. big advocate of what was going on here in the Midwest in the venture world, and 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 we certainly are here at Evolution. Not that we have anything against the coast, but um, uh, we certainly love the Midwest. Um, so before we get any farther, I do want to remind everyone that each week we provide want to provide actionable advice and have you continue the dialogue through comments and questions on our blog at evolutioncp.com. We want to hear what works and what doesn't. We want to create a true community of entrepreneurs helping our entrepreneurs. So you can also email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Uh, or a uh, number I haven't given out in a while is uh, our phone number, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. If you'd like to volunteer to the community, your experiences and solutions. Um, so with that... Um, Brendan, did you get look at your notes? Yeah, um, although you know, sometimes my notes are not easy to uh, <laughs> decipher. Um, I, I do know that uh, they they focus at what the Silicon Valley Bank focuses on information technology, medical devices, and then the uh, the uh, energy research or the clean tech world. But it seemed like um, most out of the the first quarter, the big bet was on that IT funding piece, right? The uh, yeah, that's where most of, most of it. So I think he was saying that basically that it was heavily focused in that. Um, and uh, that's my story. I'm sticking to it. God, uh, as you can tell, uh, ladies and gentlemen, we are 
in the August slowdown here at uh, at Evolution while we're closing other deals and trying to enjoy our families in the remaining warm weeks of, of uh, time in Cleveland. Um, but with that, we are going to uh, move into the first break of our show here at the second stage. I always want to thank our sponsors, McGladry LLP. Uh, they are a leading provider of assurance, tax, and consulting services focused on small and mid-sized businesses nationwide with more than 6,700 people in 75 U.S. cities. And with that, we are going to take a quick break and come back with our guests this week, uh, Rob and Andrea from Oswald Companies. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. what's happening on the Voice America Talk Radio Network by keeping up with us on Twitter. You can find us at Voice America TRN. Is your business model robust enough? In today's ever-changing business environment, people are working to transform themselves, their futures, and their business. Tune in to Business Reinvention with your host, Nancy Lynn. To stay ahead of the game in business, you have to constantly reinvent yourself and your organization. With Nancy's experience and that of her guest experts, you'll learn from stories of inspiration, innovation, and forward thinking. Listen for Business Reinvention, live every Monday at 4 p.m. Pacific Time, 7 p.m. Eastern Time, on the Voice America Business Channel. In sales, are you a lion or a vulture? Lions don't wait, they just go for it. Vultures hang around until the lions are finished and just pick up the scraps. How can you set yourself apart as a lion? Join the other aspiring sales lions and listen to Forget Patience, Let's Sell Something with host Ty Maynard. You'll learn the tips and strategies of top sales professionals. You'll gain more clients at a faster rate and at higher margins. If you're a sales professional, business owner, or executive, listen in every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern, 5 Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with my partner, Brendan Anderson. I like any form, the show will be more effective and powerful if folks contribute their experiences and ideas. And we invite you to continue the discussion from each week's show on our blog, which can be found at evolutioncp.com. And you can certainly email us at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Uh, as we had stated in our first segment of the second stage this week, we have brought our guests back, uh, our expert guests back, I should say, regarding the Affordable Care Act. Uh, that is Rob Edmonds and Andrea Esselstein from uh, Oswald Companies, which can be found at www.oswaldcompanies.com. Uh, Rob works in the group benefits at Oswald Companies, specifically focusing on business development and strategic oversight of the private equity and M&A practice. 
and he specializes in assisting clients with their employee benefit needs throughout the life cycle of acquisition from due diligence to exit. And Andrea leads Oswald's Healthcare Reform Research and Interpretation Services to resolve complex issues and provide consulting strategies for clients. By authoring Oswald's advisory materials for employee benefits, Compliance Services, Andrea incorporates legislative updates into current multi-year client strategies for clients. So, Andrea, you're authoring all of these documents that Brennan and I can't really interpret very well. (laughs) And that's why we need to have you back on the show to help us all out. Well, great. It's absolutely great to be back and join you again. I'm glad to answer any questions and provide any insight today for your audience. And Rob, once again, uh, appreciate you coming back on the show as well. Yeah, happy to be here. Thanks for having us. It's our it's our pleasure. Yeah, I, maybe uh, start off with uh, obviously we we spoke last October, and I think Jeff and I, as we say frequently, were were, were confused and so forth. Maybe talk about um, you know where the Affordable Care Act was then, and and some things that have changed in the uh, in the in the last uh, nine ten months. Well, sure, absolutely. One one change to highlight today that is getting uh, some amount of press and is in the news is that on July 22nd, two appeals court decisions, the federal appeals court came down to um, issue a a lower court opinion as far as whether the subsidies are going to be available in both the public exchanges and um, like a a public federal exchange versus a state-based exchange. And the highlight there is that there's confusion in the statute that said that the federal subsidies will only be available for those individuals who go to a state-based exchange. And then the IRS came back and interpreted that as includes federal exchanges as well. So it was basically a legislative mistake or glitch back in the Affordable Care Act. But the result of that appeals court ruling made it seem that the ACA and the, um, the mandate and coverage requirements leading to the subsidy would all be repealed again. So on that same day, there were conflicting court opinions and news coverage for anyone watching it closely. But the takeaway now is that this will most likely go to the Supreme Court again in the next session. So there won't be a clear answer until next summer, so as of June in 2015. So for now, things stay as they are as far as implementation, but it will be back in the news for the uh, midterm elections in November and the the ACA, as far as a court ruling, hot topic will continue. So that was that was unexpected. Andre, help me out again. I, again, you got to subsidies. Explain when you say that the subsidies. Explain to me what that means and what, you know what the source of the subsidies were and what in in kind of why the court would rule in these kind of two kind of conflicting manners. Sure. the The subsidies on the whole are available from the federal government for those. Uh, Americans earning between 133 and 400% of the federal poverty level, which is the cutoff for, for Medicaid. So it's, it's creating uh, a subsidy potential for anyone who's not quite at the, a Medicaid level but a lower-income earner as it increases substantially over time. But 400% of the federal poverty level is a, a fairly high number, which is is much greater than the Medicaid level. So it's offering a substantial subsidy for many Americans. And 
that's that's in the public exchanges, which are through the federal government, and there were going to be state-based exchanges and federal exchanges, and it was initially intended that each state would set up their own exchanges, but as we saw, as the uh, rollout continued, the states were uh, not building their own exchanges. Many states were resisting, and those states that um, did did end up creating a state-based exchange. You know, there's been different results across the board, but for the most part, the states are using the federal exchange. And then the, the legal question now that's before the court will be whether these subsidies, which are under the backbone and a key essential part of the Affordable Care Act, will be available for all exchanges or just state-based exchanges, which was just uh, the way the law was written versus how it's going to be interpreted. And that um, has that federal courts are coming down differently across the country, and this is being raised by those who are opposing the Affordable Care Act, and the result is that we'll have to wait until next summer. So everything is status quo and to be implement, implemented as is today, but that would be a, that's going to be a substantial ruling and bring every, all of this back to the surface once again. How does that, again, how does that work if, if and I assume it's it's when you file your taxes or so forth that you are getting these these subsidies. Is that true? It will be. It'll all be through individual taxes, and that's actually a great in, lead into another key point that's kind of hot in the news right now is is the reporting requirements for for both individuals and for um, employers to let the government know who whom is covered by minimum essential coverage and. Um, covered by a qualified ACA plan is essentially what what that means. But the, that's how the the IRS is becoming involved to determine who has coverage, who's eligible for coverage, enrolled in coverage, and then what their potential subsidy will be. And that that process has been the reason for the employer um, the employer mandate the shared responsibility, which is shared responsibility is a term that they're using for the coverage mandate the penalty requirements and the reporting all wrapped into one. Um, so that's, that's not familiar to, to audiences. That's what uh, what's it, they came down to refer to that as. And then the, the, the IRS right now is releasing reporting guidelines for employers and for Americans to know. So when it all comes down to who's eligible for subsidies and who's, who's there or, or enrolled in coverage, and if not, um, who's then required to pay the penalty. So how does how does it work? So if if people have to get coverage now and they have to file taxes and they and companies need to do the same, um, how does it work that, that if if we really don't know how this is all going to be taken care of until next summer? I mean, how, how does how does that how does that make any sense? Or am I or is it simpler than I'm trying to get it in my mind? Well, as it as it is now, there's been there's been significant confusion among employers about how the reporting is going to work. So the mm-hmm. first the first reporting requirement um, summaries by the government, the directions from the IRS were released within the last month. The draft forms were released within the last week or so, and we're still awaiting additional instructions. But on the whole, the, um, the resolution that will come down next summer is, I mean, depending on your interpretation of what's happened in the past, it's it's somewhat of a long shot that the Supreme Court would rule differently. It seems to be on a path of implementation as is, so we are operating as if everything will remain uh, the same, despite 
like that new glitch of uncertainty. I mean, this has gone now through the Supreme Court for different issues. We've seen it in the news for years. And so this is just yet another issue that will be raised before the Supreme Court, but all indications are that that nothing will change in, in how things how things will be implemented or the overall intention, the law. I mean, there's been different tweaks along the way, but uh, that's just something that has been, you know, in the news in the last month. Those, when those rulings came down, they were, they were headline rulings. Um, I think a lot of that is politically motivated in that it will, it, it brings, the, brings these topics to the surface approaching the midterms, but the actual implementation is unchanged. So employers and Americans, individuals, seeking coverage don't need to do anything differently right now. Not a thing than what's planned, yeah. So, so I, I, this is Jeff. I want to go on a quick tangent here. And I think part of the confusion that uh, a lot of people experience is the interpretation by either or both political parties re- regarding whether or not the Affordable Care Act is working or it's not working. Is it effective? Is it ineffective? You know, that sort of thing. Could you depoliticize uh, this uh, for our audience and just explain um, very straightforward, is, is this going according to plan? Is it not going according to plan? Uh, is it better? Or is it worse than originally intended? You know, that sort of thing. Sure. Well, as of as of the first open enrollment in the exchanges, that, that we have approximately um, eight million enrolled, and that was along with the, the projections. So, despite the initial glitches in in building the exchange, that that seems to be up and running and meeting expectations. The the unknown will be at this point in time how how many of those those enrolled in coverage are were um, originally among the uninsured versus those who have signed up um, because they lost coverage in a plan previously. And many um, another news topic was those who've lost coverage because of the Affordable Care Act because the plan requirements changed, so they they were kind of removed from their prior plan but eligible for this new Affordable Care Act plan. So that those people are counting as new enrollees in that way. So we're awaiting numbers solid numbers after the first year of, of who remains uninsured and uh, who can afford different high deductible plans and, and what's out there. So I mean, as far as the overall message, I think it could be taken either way if, if the audience is experiencing political viewpoints that are confusing. I think that's, you know, there are, there are positive things happening in the law as far as access, but the overall cost and the affordability long term, I think, is is a question mark, and those people who are enrolling today, were they, were they people who were previously uninsured, or are those individuals, for the, those who had coverage previously but are now enrolled under an Affordable Care Act plan? Yeah, Andrew, just to kind of tag along on the back end of that, I think one of the, the critical demographics that the Affordable Care Act was banking on was you know, the younger healthier population and getting them to sign up for coverage. And I would say to date, uh, they have less enrolled in that demographic than they would like. Uh, and most folks uh, are citing the reason why is affordability. You know, before Affordable Care Act, you know, it, it would cost like, maybe less than $200 for a 25-year-old male to sign up for a plan. Well, 
while the rates have come down on the higher end, they have increased on the lower end to the point where folks are electing to just pay the individual penalty as opposed to signing up for insurance. And so, therefore, going and remaining uninsured. You, you know, that that's a, that was actually going to be my follow-up question, Rob, and I appreciate you picking up on that. But this, a lot of the detractors of Affordable Care Act were stating that, you know, the existing uh, rules allow uh, children to f- – uh, get insurance through their parents through the time that they're 20 through 27 years old or something like that. So that was marginalizing, um, you know, the benefits or the hope for benefits of the Affordable Care Act in terms of having enough, um, you know, young people in the pool to offset, um, you know, the, the ill and the aged. Is it true? That is so that is true, and Andrew, you can expand upon it as well. But each state, each state prior to the Affordable Care Act had a certain age limit. Most were 22, 23 years of age if you were a full-time student. Well, that got increased to be more lenient, and federal government set minimum thresholds, but each state has the ability to, frankly, make it more generous. In New Jersey, I think dependent children can stay on until their Medicare age. It's a joke, wow. but, it, but it is actually 31 years old in New Jersey, whereas in Ohio, it's 28. Is that a state? So it's a state law. The state, if the state mandate is more generous than the federal mandate, it's permissible in that state. Andrea, correct me if any of that is untrue. That that is true, and it's it's I would say bigger, even bigger picture than than who's than the coverage, whether it's federal, state, or the expansion of coverage to age twenty six. I think the uh, a key point is this unintended consequence in the shift in the in the rules. So as as we look at who's covered in what way, whether or not those 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 young people are purchasing coverage on their own or staying on their parents' plan or finding it unaffordable because the premiums are increased because uh, the, there's a three-to-one ratio in the exchange plans for cost, meaning that for a younger person per- purchasing coverage, it can't be three times over three times more for uh, older Americans. So younger, the, the younger population is going to be paying for the cost of, um, of older so, you know, arguably sicker Americans purchasing coverage, and what that shift means is that many of the younger, um, younger Americans are not signing up for coverage in the numbers they needed. So that's how we saw that roll out with, um, you know, trying to promote the Affordable Care Act through professional sports and through different um, different media outlets that would tap into the the younger population for that reason. Um, so I, I would say that there's several kind of un- either unintended consequences or just as as the Affordable Care Act plays out, we're seeing different shifts in the way that coverage is handled and whether employers or the public exchange is going to be the provider, the, the access point for the coverage to, to, reach, um, to reach the health insurance providers. As an example as well, we see a lot of news coverage about a crippling recovery and uh, chronic underemployment and an increase in part-time employees. So that's another another variable that's 
impacting um, the economy because if, if there are more part-time jobs versus full-time jobs as employers reevaluate who they're hiring and who they're going to be required to offer coverage for, that's also uh, not only impacting the economy, but it's shifting the demographics of who's in which part-time jobs as you know, maybe older Americans are taking part-time jobs and, or being forced into a part-time job in, in a way they were in the past. So we're, you know, as we, as we start to have solid data after the first year of implementation, those are the types of considerations that we, we are looking at, too, from both an individual and an employer standpoint. Well, uh, Andrew, thank you for that. We're going to take a brief break here, and we'll be back shortly after the break uh, to continue our discussion on as an update to the Affordable Care Act. Uh, thanks for tuning in to the second stage. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. Are you an entrepreneur that wants to achieve more? Not just in it for profit, but to do work you find meaningful that adds more value to more people in more ways? Listen for Be More, Achieve More, inspiration for the entrepreneurial mind. With host Chris Cooper, you'll hear from successful achievers from around the world with the passion and experience to offer invaluable guidance. These people are making a difference and will help give you the motivation and insight to achieve more. Be More, Achieve More can be heard live Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. How do you feel about the future? Tune in each week for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life with host Kate Ebner. You can be a great leader by learning from the inspiring stories of amazing visionaries who are shaping our future. Everyone deserves to create their own vision, and Kate and her guests will share the tools that you need to make it happen. Make a weekly visit to the Voice America Business Channel for Visionary Leader Extraordinary Life every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time. Be inspired. Become inspiring. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to the second stage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is our show, but it is a forum, so we're looking for input from you so we can benefit from everyone's experience. Uh, please uh, blog on our uh, website at evolutioncp.com, or you can email us at, at the second stage at evolutioncp.com. We're back on the second stage with our expert guests, Rob Edmonds and Andrea Esselstein of the Oswald Companies. And we're going to continue our conversation about the Affordable Care Act and some of the recent developments uh, in, in, in that law. Yeah, um, I, we obviously have uh, talked a lot about the you know the uh, the, the kind of uh, the younger people and got into the, some of the, the most recent rulings. I you know would love to keep talking about how the math is going to work out on the younger people, but Jeff, we probably got to move on. Um, 
Maybe talk a little bit about you know some of the uh, important issues and, and so forth that uh, business owners need to be aware of, kind of uh, since since we last chatted. Sure. Well, the the reporting requirements that we mentioned in the last segment are are probably the biggest uh, elephant in the room for employers to take on. And as we said, you know, the IRS recently released the draft forms. It was July twenty fourth that they came out with the the actual forms online. So that, that's intended for um, employers to let the government know who's uh, eligible for and who's enrolled in minimum essential coverage is the most simplistic um, explanation of that. And there's two new sections of the IRS code that have been added uh, for this reporting. And again, this will determine penalties. This will determine potential federal subsidy eligibility for, for Americans as they cross-reference tax, um, tax uh, reporting, et cetera, for across the board. So the details are still to be issued on what's to be expected, but we can uh, provide a follow-up summary that we have that says what we know to date of what's required for employers for reporting and what employers need to think about by way of making sure that they have the data that's that's needed. One key issue is that dependent social security numbers will be needed. So some employers are taking steps now to make sure that information is available and that impacts employers of all sizes just to, to be able to give the information back uh, to the government. Another uh, issue that's tied to this is that there'll be a statement that employers are going to need to give to employees that's similar to a W-2. It's not a W-2, but the sim- similar concept in letting uh, individuals know and have uh, have a statement as to which coverage they were eligible for or enrolled in, again, for IRS reporting purposes. So that's that's probably the number one issue. And, you know, given the time timeline on the uh, show today, we are glad to provide additional details, or this may be a topic uh, for another show in itself as uh, tax advisors become involved in this and they begin to take on what this is really going to mean for employers and what the administrative a burden or administrative efficiencies that we can put into place to make this easier over time as payroll companies continue to evaluate it as well. When, when do you think, I mean, some of the things you just talked about, um, when w- would those be due in 2014, 15, 16? Give, give me an idea of when, how fast this is coming. Well, the, re- the reporting requirements themselves on the whole will be effective as of January 1, 2015. Uh, and, you know, depending on whether it's a small group or a large um, employer plan, that will vary uh, what um, the reporting that's required as far as what the employer the employer offered the employees, but they'll be record, um, required to report in 2015 coming up January 1 as to who... Uh, Who's eligible for coverage for the that's per, for the individual mandate? Just to let the government know who's been offered a valid plan, and um, therefore, I mean it's it's a pretty significant burden that's coming up very relatively soon. Not very soon, but relatively soon. And, and, and so, like, if that's due in the beginning of 2015, is that you know a report that covers? Like say for companies with a hundred or more employees from the 2014 year, or is that, or, or I mean, I mean, it just seems it seems like uh, the, the, a lot of the big decisions haven't been made yet, and and that date's coming up really quickly. Well, we'll begin tracking in in that year. So 
it is coming okay. it is coming up quickly, but the the reporting will be based on based on that year and so, so in essence, they have to start tracking it in fifteen, and then they report it at the end of the year. Am I understanding that correctly? Mm-hmm. There's okay. Yeah. Okay, it gotcha. In, it starts in the 2015 calendar year. Okay, for for the company's over 100 employees. Yes, for the okay. simplistic answer, but for their but for, <laughs> for but for smaller companies, there's two different. They said since there's two different sections of the. Um, code that were added. One is the employers will report what plans they offer, but they also need to, or, or who's enrolled in their plans for their for the purposes of triggering a penalty for that company. But they're still going to need to report on, on a separate form, regardless of group size, who's who of their um, employees are um, eligible for or enrolled in in coverage today because that is a trigger point for the government to know in the individual market who has coverage. So what what kind of things are you seeing small business owners do to, um, I mean, are they coming up with different mechanisms to keep people part-time? You, you touched on it uh, a little bit earlier, but are they doing certain things to keep people as part-time as opposed to full-time so that they can continue to uh, not comply or, or comply in their own way with uh, ACA? We. We have seen that, and we've and we've read about that, and that's a big source of strategic discussions as far as as taking a look at who's who's enrolled today versus who's going to be eligible in 2015 for plan for plan years on or after January 1, 2015. The employer mandate is effective for uh, groups over one, um, 100, and that's plan year on or after 2000, plan year on or after January 1, 2016 for uh, those groups with 50 or more full-time employees. So we look at our, our decision tree or our thought process for employers, so they're going to need to then determine who is, who is going to be full-time at that, at that period of time and then make adjustments if necessary based on what they deem to be cost-effective and what they deem to be possible um, as far as coverage, so they're taking a look at uh, spousal coverage as as that's another uh, key item on our checklist. So just just in general, I would say overall, who's who's eligible today, who they're offering coverage to, and then who they'll be required to offer coverage to, and making those types of changes if it, if needed. Yeah, Andre, at break, you mentioned the checklist, and, uh, and and Rob, maybe I don't know if we were we don't have a whole lot of time, but maybe. Briefly talk about the checklist, and I think you offered to uh, maybe let us put it on put it on the website, or, or at least refer people to a uh, um, a place where they could get the checklist. Absolutely, and at this point, I think that's that's probably the most most helpful piece for an employer to look through because it's a real time snapshot of the things to think about, and and you know not just touching on certain topics, but the checklist goes through the initial considerations. Even is your organization a large employer and that large employers are required to offer qualified affordable coverage to these substantially all of their full-time employees. So that leads into at what point are you a large employer? What do you, what do you need to think about in terms of looking back? If you have a look back period to measure who was, who was full-time in the year prior versus, um, versus the effective date of the ACA and making sure that that aligns with the goals of the company. So this may be um, a good benchmark in time, and for some 
depending on their group size, they may need to make changes going forward um, as as needed if they've yet to make those types of changes. But uh, another key topic that we have added in our checklist that I think is is great is the action items to document both eligibility and communication steps that are required around this because it's it's an issue for supervisors in different branches of companies to know who's then going to be eligible that it's not eligible today what type of communication steps they need to give to employees so there's there's kind of a my thinking a trickle down effect of okay here's a new requirement and then who's all triggered in the practical chain of what an employer needs to do to think through this this new these new steps okay yeah. No, that's wonderful. And, and would you suggest us directing them to your website, or do you want us to, or would you send us something and we'll put it on ours? You tell me the best way to, to tackle that. Let's see. Well, we can, we can. I can confirm that. Whether whether we send a link or share it to you, send it to you directly, we can link the, we can link it through your website for for sure. Okay, we'll we'll put that as uh, as we we try to do frequently. Make uh, our website a a resource for the entrepreneurs, and uh, we'll we'll uh, get that out in one of the blogs or uh, tied to this thing. Or uh, check our website at www.evolutioncp.com, and we'll we'll get that checklist. It sounds like it's something that uh, that somebody in, in in every small business or every business should at least be aware of and walk through. So it sounds like a great resource. So thank Absolutely. you. Well, Rob and Andrew, we appreciate you uh, coming back on the second stage. And it looks like because things are uh, seem to be going inning by inning here with regard to the implementation of the Affordable Care Act, that uh, we'll have to have you back on another time uh, as uh, as things unfold and we can have you interpret uh, what the small business owner uh, should do. And maybe you have another checklist at that point. Um, but thank you again for taking the time out to uh, be on our show. And, and provide a little bit more clarity to, uh, you know, uh, an ever-changing uh, situation. Thank you guys for having us. Thank you. Thank you. It's our pleasure. And with that, we are going to pause again for a short break and be back to talk a little bit more about the Affordable Care Act and share some concluding thoughts about today's topic. Thanks for tuning in to the second stage. We're making it easier to listen to the Voice America Talk Radio Network live wherever you go on iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android. Download it from the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern, for the Money Answer Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answer Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities in real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. 
Today, enterprise technology is both strategic and global. Each week on CIO Talk Radio, IT thought leaders from around the world share their experiences with listeners as they discuss with Sunjog All how they are trimming costs and partnering with business to innovate and help IT become more competitive. This means better care for customers and improves the corporate bottom line. If you want to keep up with IT thought leadership, listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All every Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel, the bottom line in business talk. Your favorite Voice America Talk Radio Network shows and hosts are in your car, outdoors, and wherever you need them to be. Listen anywhere. Get our mobile app for iPhone, BlackBerry, or Android at the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market. You are tuned in to The Second Stage. To reach the hosts or their guests today, call in to 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Or send an email to thesecondstage at evolutioncp.com. Now, back to Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson. Welcome back to the show, The Second Stage. This is Jeff Cadlick, and I'm here with Brendan Anderson. And thanks for tuning in to The Second Stage, a show about small business best practices. So I'll tell you, um, it's, you know, Rob had made the comment during the break that uh, we should probably try to target the conversation a little bit more. And I have to agree with it. It's such a broad topic and there's so many things going on. Uh, we probably segued back and forth uh, a lot as uh, there, you know, there's a lot going on and uh, it's tough to keep track of it all. Yeah. And I, and, and I think that uh, listeners should, uh, should definitely Download this uh, this checklist because uh, in hindsight we probably should have walked through that in, in just a, a lot of detail because I think that's really what people are looking for is what you know where do I you know where do I fall in this thing and when should when do I need to start getting worried what information do I need to track um, and uh, and, when, and when does it change and so uh, we'll get that on our website and uh, and that, that that sounds like a very valuable tool to uh, to use here um, I also you know I, I you know I, I just can. You know, continuously gets amazed by the hurdles that uh, the government puts in front of uh, small businesses. You know, you're you're doing business in in California, you're doing business in Ohio, you're doing business in Pennsylvania, and just the, the way the rules change and things change, and uh, it's uh, you know, it's just it's um, I guess from an entrepreneurial perspective, if you can get through it, uh, it's. Um, it creates another barrier to entry, um, you know, from a from a from a projection standpoint. But uh, it's just, you know, it's it's wild to listen to all this stuff. So, um, yeah, I mean, you know, we we obviously try to stay as nonpartisan as as we can on this show. We want to provide as much uh, clear thinking and cutting through all the noise. I think uh, the Affordable Care Act has been uh, is politicized as much as anything uh, in the last you know 10 years in in uh, in the United States and you know from my perspective and trying to provide uh, some clarity for small business owners and really small business and business in general is very re- resilient as long as they know what's going to happen and I think the challenge here has been 
again, rightly or wrongly, some of it could be politics, some of it could be poor planning, some of it could be poor execution, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Regardless of what the cause is, uh, the result has been a tremendous amount of confusion in the market about it, what exactly is going on. And as a result, has created a lot of confusion, you know, in the small business community. And, you know, to some of Andrea's points there in the last segment about the biggest hurdle that's coming up is the reporting. I mean, there are going to be businesses out there that are going to have to hire people simply to comply with new rules and regulations, um, you know, by the government. I mean, not to beat the uh, the private equity drum, but uh, you know, it, once we invest a certain amount of, of money and you know assets under management, that are we fall into a whole other pool of, of regulatory things. But Jeff, I'm gonna I'm gonna go positive here for a second. Ready? Ready for this? Whoa, whoa, yeah, okay. I know. Somebody said. As you know, I uh, I've spent the last week uh, on the Jersey Shore with uh, with the vacation. Thinking about stuff, and so at times I, I get to read books, and uh, you know, kind of get through a whole book, and uh, just finish Richard Koch's eighty twenty principle. And it, 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 as I'm reading the book, I'm, I'm listening to us talk about our five pillars. And I know you're saying, "Wait a minute, Brendan, you're you're uh, you're trying you're uh, talking about uh, the five pillars again." But I think what's so neat about, and for those people, I do recommend the book. It's a it's a it's a relatively quick read. It's uh, he does a very good job, kind of going through, in particular, the second two thirds of the book, or the you know, I guess the you know the latter half of the book, really talking about- Wait a minute, wait a minute. You made it to the latter half of a book? It's true. It's true. Yeah, I got to meet the first. The third, first third was a little slower than the last two thirds. But I mean, he really just spent. He talks about really, really um, talking about the focusing on the things that get you most of the way there. And as you know, Jeff, in uh, in 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 our evolutionary process, that's something that we spend a great deal of time on. Find that you know the the top two or three things that are going to get get you where you need to go this quarter or this year and so forth. And then it just kind of got me back to this whole you know the the how solid I think our five pillars are. And and I hate to just give you my I, I've got both my soapboxes out and I'm standing on it, Jeff. If you can see, you know, now makes me really really tall. Which is a, quite an accomplishment, um, but you know it goes back to the financial pillars, and, and he and uh, you know they keep talking about what are the things that are driving your business, and and just so few of the companies that we're blessed to look at have good solid financials. I mean, not even not even good solid historical financials, but also financials that are predictive and out in front of the thing and out in front of where you're headed to tell you where you know what what to expect in the coming days, weeks, months, years, and um, I just. You know, I just pound that table because, you know, uh, if you have financials that people can understand, that, that, that can help explain what's going to happen in the future, it changes the whole outlook on the business. And uh, I totally agree. That's the foundation for everything. There's no, no, no doubt about it. And don't most entrepreneurs that we talk to kind of overlook that piece, right? It's just the financials are something that happens after you do it, and you pass it off to somebody else, and they they work on it and get it back to you in a couple you know a couple weeks or a couple days, and by then you've you've kind of moved on. You're working on the next segment, right? Yes, yes, that it's is not. Correct. And I'm going to finish and unless you have something else. Once you have, it's not until you have good financials, Jeff, that you can work on your plan. Um, and it's it really you know, you know we're we're kind of living this in a in a deal that we're working on. It's not until you have good financials can you work on your plan. And once you've got your great plan in place, can you then work on your 
culture of trans- transparency and accountability, right? So it really is a stepping process. And all the way through that thing, you got your great financial statements, you've got your plan to do something, you're creating a, a culture of transparency and accountability. It's not until you get those first four, those four things in the works, can you find the people that are really going to help you get where you're going, which then lets you get up out of the business, work on the business. I know we've gone through this in previous shows, but I, I'll tell you, it's um, it works. It works. 100% of the time that management embraces it, it's going to work. Uh, and 100% of the time that management doesn't embrace it, what, what's going to happen, Jeff, if they don't embrace it? It's never going to work. It's never going to work. So um, anyways, I'm, uh, I've now removed one of my soapboxes. I'm just down to the one. So I just thought I'd, uh, just thought I'd go on. I, I, I had too much time on the Jersey Shore, Jeff, to uh, not think about our wonderful five pillars and how wonderfully they've positioned small businesses for growth. And so you're saying that uh, um, I because I was trying to wrap this back into Affordable Care Act, but it seems like oh, you it just has blown. nothing to do. It has nothing. <laughs> it, 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 this, you know what it is? It's the eighty twenty principle. Back to Koch's book, which is basically you know dealing with that stuff isn't the isn't the twenty percent of the things that can get you eighty percent of the way there because you and I are never going to master that. You know, you and I have got to focus on the things that are the top two or three things this quarter. They're going to get evolution where it needs to be, right? Yeah, and and it, it, to your point, it's it is uh, not in your control. Right. So, but the five the five pillars are. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And again, Jeff, hundred percent of the time, the, the management embraces it. What happens? It works. Hundred percent of the time, they don't embrace it. What happens? They it don't does not it. work. That is a guarantee, if I've ever heard one. <laughs> All right. With that, we are going to have to sign off uh, on this week's show. Uh, it's you know, it's yeah. It, hopefully, we'll, we will get that uh, that checklist posted on our website. And yep. uh, please come to our website and download it and use that as your guide until we have Rob and Andrea back on our show. Uh, you they can you can find Rob and Andrea at www.oswaldcompanies.com and you can find Brendan and me myself Jeff Cadlick at evolutioncp.com. And with that, we're going to sign off this week's second stage. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for tuning in this week to The Second Stage. Please join Jeffrey Cadlick and Brendan Anderson again next Monday afternoon at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. And have a successful week. 